Why does Kyrie Irving want to be traded? How much do the Cavs want in return? Is there a way for LeBron and Kyrie to make up and play together again? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am pleased to bring on Dave McMenamin, who is an NBA reporter for ESPN, as I'm sure we all know. And uh, Dave, it's a real pleasure to have you. Uh, I'm in my vacation digs, and you are in your complete suit and looking really nice. So uh, thank you for coming on and joining us. Thanks for having me on. I uh, have uh, been a uh, consumer of your work for years now, so it's cool to be on with you. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I think it just tells you I've been I've been uh, toiling for a long time in obscurity. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being part of the conversation. Um, and you know, I thought we would kind of jump in with what's going on with the Cavaliers because it's a sort of long and sordid story, and I'm not even sure everyone's been up to date with everything that you've been reporting in the past. So, um, I, I'm kind of curious: how do we get to it from a team that's been to the finals so many years in a row um, to such kind of like? Can we call it disarray? Is it is it officially disarray yet? It is right now. Of course, because it's just the the fear of the unknown. Uh, we don't know if the Cavs will indeed get the type of trade package for Kyrie Irving that they feel like would be requisite talent to keep them afloat as, as the top team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we don't know what would happen if they don't get that trade package and they decide to just hold on to Kyrie, how that could play out in the locker room for next season. Uh, so that's why the disarray applies to what's going on right now. Fair it's, enough. It's, um, now, you yeah, know, yeah, because yeah, because you think that, like, you know, things are going great. They've been ruling the East and everyone should be happy playing with one another. Um, does this sort of center on that kind of are we talking about, you know, locker room issues? Are we talking about personnel fit? Where do you think the root of, of, of what's going on with Kyrie is now? I think the root of it goes back to the summer of 2014 when he was offered a max contract extension. And in that meeting, LeBron James' name didn't come up. And he was sold on a vision of being the leader of the Cavs franchise and playing a style of ball reminiscent of Steve Nash and the Phoenix Suns and everything being filtered around him as the centerpiece. And uh, Kyrie believed that that would be his future. The next five years of his career as he went from burgeoning all-star and starting to make his mark on the league, that he would do so with players around him um, made to fit his game. Of course, 11 days later, LeBron James comes out with the I'm coming home letter with Lee Jenkins of Sports Illustrated, and everything changes. The roster becomes fit around LeBron James. Rightfully so, most would say. Uh, and Kyrie did really well in those three years while playing an accelerated uh, kind of growth process. You know, Rather than kind of get to go through his bumps and bruises and take his licks as the face of the franchise, he was cast into a secondary role. I'll but it wasn't the normal secondary role. It was a secondary role where he was expected to be able to compete for championships when he hadn't even played in a playoff series. And so that kind of chafed at him, but he did his best to still work with it. But when you get through these three years, there was some sense of finality um, because, you know, David Griffin's leaving the, the franchise this summer, right? That was a guy that, that had been instrumental in keeping Kyrie Irving within the team structure the last couple of years. And when that's gone, and then you look at the future, 
this summer of 2018, we all know LeBron James can opt out to become a free agent. Uh, it, it's a sense of a little bit of, I'm going to make sure that my fate is not tied to you anymore. And I will make this request now. Uh, rather than have to deal with the potential fallout of a post-LeBron era in 2018 for the Cavs organization, because he started his career uh, in the post-LeBron era 2010 time frame, and that was what that really kind of was the pall hanging over everything he did. You know, if he had a great game, it was you know the Cavs have the next great star after LeBron. Uh, if he didn't play well, didn't carry the franchise, it was. Oh, man, he didn't do what LeBron did as a young superstar. And, uh, you know, even if LeBron was to leave in the summer of 2018, because some people have made the argument, well, why not just let LeBron go and you can have your own team again? Well, one, you still have a roster that, that's been made to fit around LeBron. Um, and so Kyrie, while those players were still under contract, would not have the team that he had been sold on. And two, that LeBron factor will always exist. Mm-hmm. for the perpetuity of the Cavs franchise. Um, no one will ever be able to match, you know, uh, what what he's brought. You know, you look at Chicago, right? Like, no one, they haven't gotten over Jordan. The only time they got over briefly was Derrick Rose because he was a native son. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> LeBron's not just the best player in the franchise. He's also the native son. So it's not like, <laughs> that will never be overcome. And so, um, you know, he put together a trade proposal trade request gave the the Cavs the teams he'd like to go to he's kept quiet because he wanted he figured he would have a a better chance of actually having that trade request come to fruition uh you know if it wasn't out there for every team to get more leverage on thinking the Cavs were desperate and now we stand nearly five weeks after that trade request and no deal has been struck yet well let me ask you this um you know it's a couple different things Let's first of all, who leaked this if it wasn't Kyrie? Um, you know, uh, Brian Windhorst was the guy who wrote the story for ESPN, did a great job, and um, I believe he's gone on record. You know, I don't want to compromise his sources, but uh, he has said that you know, players found out about it, okay? You know, and so once players found out about it, they talk, and um, you know. Brian got wind of it. Um, I actually got wind of it. Like Kyrie was unhappy about six days before Brian broke the story, mm-hmm. but I couldn't get a confirmation. Right. And Brian was able to get a confirmation that, that this was actuality. Now, I don't know where that confirmation came from, but if it did come from someone associated with LeBron, uh, that doesn't mean that LeBron's camp would have leaked it. It right. just means they would have confirmed it. Well, okay, so here's what's interesting because, you know, we do have the Uncle Drew, um, you know, with with Kyrie and like a little bit of a glimpse of who he is and what kind of a person he is. But it's not always easy to get a handle on, you know, like you could say, oh, he wants to go somewhere else so he can be the man, which then there's a lot of like um, stuff involved with that where he wants to score all the points. But when you look at what the output from last year, like I I don't know if he would be able to score much more than 25, 26 a game. And then when you hear him requested that he wanted to go to a place like San Antonio, for instance, which where he would never get the amount of touches he'd want to score that. It's this weird dichotomy, and I can't quite get my handle on who Kyrie is and really what he's trying to get out of all this because it doesn't necessarily sound like he wants to be like the man in charge of everything and shoot every shot and control every possession, or, or am I reading that wrong? 
I mean, he already averaged more shots than he'd ever averaged last year. You know, it wasn't like he wasn't getting his shots. He averaged more shots than LeBron did in the postseason, you know, when you'd say it matters more. Um, uh, you know, I've talked to people close to Kyrie, I guess you'd say in Kyrie's camp, that they buck against that perception that he's trying to be the man. Their framing of the situation is that it's he wants to be in a different basketball situation that does not involve another man who is so all-encompassing. The LeBron machine, for for lack of a better term, is something that is unlike any other team has in the NBA. And, And obviously one of the you know, best, in my opinion, best three players ever to play the game. So that would come with it. Uh, but, you know, you think about the teams that are on Kyrie's list. There's strong coaches there. Um, and not that Teron Liu, I think he does a wonderful job. But he doesn't have the cachet of, you know, a Greg Popovich who's on that list. Uh, a cachet of uh, Brad Stevens. Um, you know, uh, s- some of the, the teams that are out there and been linked, uh, Tom Thibodeau, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that, without that figure in um, the Cavs organization, um, you know, Kyrie feels like there is a, um, just like a, a day-to-day personality, power, whatever you want to call it, that he goes through, um, uh, compromise that he goes through with the Cavs organization that he wouldn't do elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And yes, I mean, you could also put a pin in his balloon of his the man theory by saying, well, wouldn't it be Kawhi Leonard be the man in San Antonio? He was a finals MVP. Uh, wouldn't Carl Anthony Towns and you know be the man in, in Minnesota or Kristaps Porzingis or whatever. Um, it's more of the idea of rather than playing with an all-time great and all of the pressure of preserving that legacy, adding to that legacy, um, winning for the sake of this this window is so short, so we better maximize it. He'd just go and play with great players. Not all-time great players, great players. And get to live probably a more peaceful existence and get back to what basketball is about for him which is you, know, you watch his Nike commercial with the drummer from the Roots. You know, it's an expression of art and an expression of freedom, and it's a joyful process. And it's been a refuge for him after he suffered, you know, some tragedy with losing his mother at a young age. Um, get back to that. Um, in Cleveland, he doesn't have that. Um, some would say, you know, you put yourself through extremes. And then you look and admire the work that you did at, at the end of the day. And, and maybe he would regret this decision someday because he would leave championships on the table. And he mm-hmm. specifically told me in the NBA Finals, excuse me, NBA Playoffs 101, that I'm not going to let my selfishness get in the way of NBA championships. Uh, perhaps he decided it just wasn't worth it anymore. 
Well, I'm going to throw this out there because in the beginning we introduced you as an NBA, uh, you know, guy who covers the NBA for ESPN, uh, yeah. even though we're focusing on Cleveland. But, you know, it's interesting. There, I wonder from your point of view and what you've heard across the league, if there are any parallels to the notion of Kevin Durant leaving OKC and Russ and Kyrie wanting to leave Cleveland and LeBron. Well, I mean – the way it's differed is that Kyrie actually did win a championship with, with Cleveland. So it was, you know, he had felt, and I've had some people say to me that, you know, he wanted to do this after that in the summer of 2016, make this request. Now, of course he didn't do it, uh, but that some have suggested to me that he was already feeling that way back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it him looking at it like he has the freedom to make that move now. Obviously, Kevin Durant has been explicit that his move was not just about basketball. It was about, you know, overall well-being, about personal growth, et cetera, et cetera. I would think those are are major factors for a 25-year-old like Kyrie Irving, who has a very curious mind, who does not try to define himself as a basketball player. Um, He takes great pride, and he's very aware of, of his skill and where that puts him in the echelon of basketball players. But um, he, he doesn't want to be known as, you know, the list, you list his stats, you list his rings and that's how you think of him 20 years down the line. I mean, he, he's kind of a radical thinker who, you know, on a recent podcast with Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye spoke about, or actually this wasn't on a podcast. He alluded to it on podcast and then he did a recent interview where he wants to have like a commune, uh, his own personal society that that he will kind of develop uh and that he doesn't think the way right most superstars would think you know i i'm telling you i mean if only there was someone who can do a video uh that can compare these because i do feel like stylistically on the floor we had a lot of sort of iso your turn my turn your turn my turn from kevin durant russ and we do know i believe that we've seen it reported that durant kind of ultimately chafed at that and recognized a better version of play with the warriors and I, I mean, I, I kind of wonder if that's what Kyrie is also envisioning, especially it's the Spurs thing, really, because first of all, I, he, he could be the Tony Parker uh, of, of you know, when Tony Parker was in his prime and probably do that role infinitely better than Tony Parker ever could have because he can shoot so much better than him. So I start to wonder if like he is starting to envision like I want to be in an offense where we have much more pace and space and we have more ball movement, which I think there, I don't want to say the Cavs didn't have that or don't always have it, but it definitely feels like it's certainly in the finals, at least that's kind of stuff kind of grinds to a halt. And, um, and I wonder, I mean, I mean, again, I just thought of this while you were talking and, and I, don't, I haven't thought about it too much, but it is something interesting there because again, you're right. He could at the very least stay in Cleveland when 55 to 60 games or whatever it's going to be probably get right they're going to get to the they would get to the finals guaranteed i would imagine right you know and so this is a real radical right you know guy now you know you're talking about how different Kyrie is and and the notion of a commune um like just out of curiosity is the whole flatland earth is flat thing was that was that like a serious thing too or is that just sort of him being you know provocative yeah i mean i don't think he's ever fully backed off of it um, <laughs> okay. Perhaps he likes to keep people guessing, but he, but he, I think he gave some further explanation of it. Of you know, this is an example of how media focuses on you know the stuff that doesn't matter. Um, 
and he, you know, I, I don't know if I quite label it contentious relationship with the press in Cleveland. Um, it's it's uh, arm's length relationship. I'll put it that way. Um, Interesting. I, I've had some revealing conversations with him over three years. Yet at the same time, sometimes he'll look at me when I ask a question as if he's seen me for the first time. Um, and he's unlike any other player in that regard. That I've, you know. Uh, in my role as NBA reporter, I, I've been assigned to teams to cover uh, the last seven years with the Lakers and the Cavs. So I get to know these guys pretty intimately, certainly as much as you can through a reporter-player relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a tough nut to crack. I, I, I'm not totally sure. I, I, yeah, I would I would not be comfortable saying that I've grown really close to Kyrie in any uh, sense of the word. And I think teammates would say the same thing. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I'm not even quite sure we've landed on the moon when we said we did. So I, I, I could go there with him on some, you know, some out there stuff. But um, a, as we move to wrap this up, I thought we can discuss a little bit about the deal or the non-deal that we can't seem to quite, it hasn't happened yet. And it doesn't, I don't know if anything is happening or imminent, but you know, what exactly do you think that the Cavaliers are asking for that is such a, you know, hold up? Because it seems like, you know, if somebody would have offered him this trade would have already happened already. Right. Right. Um, so I reported this week that um, there's no urgency on, uh, from the Cavs' perspective. Um, I guess that's easy to stay, say when training camp's still maybe five or six weeks away. Um, is, is it, think, wait, is it really five or six weeks away? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're oh, getting, man. Okay. It's, it's, it's pretty close. At the same time, it's far enough away. Um, but yeah, I'd like more summer as well. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I want to be wearing the suit. I want to go out to the beach. But um, <laughs> Uh, they are not going to trade him just for the sake of trading him. Uh, they view him as an elite asset, uh, you know, as good as it can get out there. Young, championship experience, economical deal, all things considered. You know, he's making $20 million next year. Steph Curry's making $40 million. Steph Curry, twice as good as a player as Kyrie Irving. I don't think most people would say that, right? Um uh, and so they want to be able to get assets in return that will keep them competitive in the short term, which means returning to the finals for a fourth straight year, mm-hmm. and also get something that can set themselves up for the 2018 and beyond, certainly with the thought that LeBron could be leaving the franchise. Uh, that means, and also beyond that, two-way players. Uh, they They look at the NBA finals and they see that that is what their roster lacked. They had... Uh, some specialists um, that were, you know, at times excellent specialists. Um, but if the specialists don't totally hit, and I, you know, let's, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to single out Kyle Korver, but, you know, he's the guy that comes to mind. Uh, if he's not doing that special specialty to the best of his ability, then what he lacks on the other end becomes far more egregious to deal with. And so, um, that's why when you hear a deal discussed discuss between them and the Phoenix Suns and Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson being included, he's the type of two-way player um, that they envision helping them bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I, obviously, and Andrew Wiggins, who, you know, the all the metrics say that, that he's a terrible defender, but then if you look at his actual athleticism and, and – um, you know, his length and things like that, you're like, you know, he's a guy who could be one of those two-way players. So um, that's that's what they're after. They're after a, a worthy return. And, uh, you know, uh, 
they're going to be patient with it. And if they don't get that right offer, well, you know, what's Kyrie going to do? Is he not going to report, not get paid? You know, I don't think they want to come to that point. But if it does come to that point, uh, there's a thought within um, the people familiar with this team that, well, you know what? We'd probably just play ball again and get back to the NBA Finals. Right. Well, so it sounds like they want an all-star, right? Or, or probably need an all-star in return and maybe another okay. just like a wing or somebody and a pick, right? right? It's simply they need, a, they need a starter. How about this? They need a starter and a pick and then some other wing player. Does that sound about yeah. right? That's that's kind of the, the package that – Okay. Yes. And if you were Phoenix, would you offer Bledsoe, Jackson, and a, and a pick for Kyrie? I tweeted this a, a week or so ago. Um, I'm not sure because the Phoenix, of course, hired James Jones this offseason. Um, James Jones <laughs> has been inside that locker room. The plot um, thickens. He, he's seen Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, I, I think I, I reported this uh, on Sports Center this week. Um, you know, they, he saw Kyrie Irving in the the playoffs this year in between the first round when they beat Indiana and the second round they played Toronto, like go consecutive days without speaking to a teammate at practice. Um, on that stage, you know, it's one really? thing to say, you know, people go through their ups and downs in the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs, when it's, you know, the main thing is the main thing and we're, you know, brothers and we're pulling together to get this thing done. Uh, even at that level, uh, th- there were still, you know, things that, that made him, sullen or uh, reclusive from his teammates i'm not so sure if phoenix would be interested in that type of deal um now maybe james jones has seen stuff that you know he knows just how special Kyrie is though and Mm -hmm. and he could sell the franchise on it um but part of me thinks more that it would be a caution flag um, coming from james jones so uh and we'll see how much influence he would have he's only you know been there like a month um you know if robert sarver wants the superstar like Kyrie Irving, he'll get a superstar because they have the assets to get it. Um, but if they listen and trust the people they hired, um, and I'm not reporting this, I'm just I, I just know that you know uh, James Jones is a very intuitive guy, very observing guy. Uh, he knows exactly what what was uh, strong about those Cavs teams the last three years and, and deficiencies as well. Oh. and he'd probably be able to ascribe all of those strengths and deficiencies to each player yes and we'll see how his alchemy would be when it comes to Kyrie Irving yes he knows how the sausage is being made and uh, I think here's my last question for you because uh, when Griffin made the decision to get rid of David Blatt I think he described it as a cloud over the uh, the team and Mm -hmm. some of the camaraderie and even on the wins they weren't together Um, is it the same situation now when you talk about Kyrie and John uh, that's my phone. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, again, that anecdote about in between the first and second round shows something about um, even when it's supposed to be as sweet as it can be, um, there's still something lacking. Uh, I I've seen this team. It's 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 a unique group, right? Because there is the gap seven years between LeBron and Kyrie. You know, they're in different life stages. They're in different career stages. Um, you know, even like, you know, I, I grew up one of five siblings. Like, you, every two or three-year gap or, you know, or, or chunk of your life, you, that thing evolves. 
And so I'm not saying that where it stands right now, if they were to stay together three more years, it might not evolve to a better place. But there are ways in which um, they uh, are not on, on the same page right now. Um, Kyrie Irving is one of the greatest ball handlers ever to play the game. LeBron James is a forward with the ball in his hands more than the other forward ever to play the game. That's a natural tension. You can't get over that. Um, Kyrie Irving wants to see what he can accomplish in this game um, where he has to be the influencer or the decision maker, et cetera, et cetera. As long as LeBron James is playing this game, he is going to be the influencer and the decision maker. So that's another natural tension that will, that will exist. Um, but to peg the Cavs of a joyless bunch, um, uh, I, I don't think that's fair. I, 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 you know, again, I only see so much that I can see, but, um, you know, I've seen this team really show pride in one another, um, show a, uh, collective purpose and, um, you know, have a little bit of like, um, just a, a sense of, they're in this together mm-hmm. for, you know, and, um, even if there is the, you know, problems like a family would have. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. We can blame us all on Kevin Durant. Really. It's all, it's his, his fault. So, uh, all right. <laughs> I mean, last yeah, thing over and under, thing. uh, Kyrie's getting yeah. traded before the season starts. What are you putting it on? Uh, what's your odds? Uh, certainly stronger that he does than, than if he isn't like, I, I, I would think the only reason he would not be, traded before the season started if the the best package involved a guy who can't be traded till December 15th and oh. they were like say perhaps dead set on a Wiggins Teague deal you right. know and Teague can't be traded till the 15th well they were like all right you know the season starts October 17th we'll go through those two months of awkwardness because we know we got the best deal we want that's the, the scenario where I would see him being yeah. on the team and then of course the you know and I've said this before, it's not irreconcilable until he's wearing a different jersey. Um, if there was some sort of come-to-Jesus moment where Kyrie and LeBron and Teron Lou got in a room together or whatever, I don't think that's a likely scenario whatsoever. Okay. But until Kyrie is traded, I guess that that is a possible even if remote possibility. Right. And I, and I think that's the right trade. I think that Thibodeau would in a heartbeat grab that and have Butler and Kyrie in the backcourt uh, with the rest of that team, uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I think that'd be a, a really good move. And for of them. course, like quick aside on that, you know, Glenn Taylor went out in the press this week and he said that, you know, I'm going to offer Andrew Wiggins a max, but he has to first you know, prove to me that he's going to give me more than he's already giving me. Mm-hmm. You never hear that type of rhetoric from an owner, like publicly challenging a player of I've got the carrot on the stick, but I got to see how high you're going to jump for it. Right. Uh, to me, it seems some sort of like challenge or test on on Wiggins, and to see if he really wants to be a part of this thing. And if he doesn't get the answer he wants to hear, Glenn Taylor, perhaps that all he needs to hear to say, you know what? Yep. Let's that's right. Let's pull the trigger on the Kyrie deal. And it's perfect because in theory, Butler is going to hamper Wiggins anyway, at least in the offensive end. And right. who knows if Wiggins is going to maybe like just, just turn off on that and then not give out on defense. It's a, it's a really interesting thing. Like what's nice about that Butler whole thing. Kyrie yeah. are super close. And I reported that. And, and, yeah. You know, Butler's been recruiting him and Carl Anthony Towns, father is very close with Dred Irving, Kyrie Irving's father. Um, and <laughs> okay. Dred Irving is very influential in Kyrie Irving's life. Um, 
So there has been a campaign by Towns and Wiggins to lobby not only Kyrie to want to come there, but you know uh, the Wolves decision makers to want Kyrie. Yeah, well, I think that that's that would be a great fit, and it's perfect that they have two months to kind of iron things out or see that how clearly it's not going to work on both uh, teams. So, uh, but I can tell you one thing: this has been working really well between you and I uh, so far in the pod. So uh, I can't thank you enough, Dave, for coming on the show. Uh, you guys all have to read his book that he wrote with Brian about um, the Cavs season uh, from their championship season. Uh, wait, am I, yes, uh, the championship season. Terrific book, really insightful stuff. Uh, and Dave, you'll have to come back on, and we'll have to find out if we're right or not okay sounds good Nick. all right and don't forget sports fans at b-ball breakdown we're not a channel we're a conversation you win are you in dave yeah i'm in yeah i'm in for the conversation <laughs> <B-ball> <laughs> break. all right <laughs>